We welcome everyone into another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast. We thank you for joining us each and every week here. And tell a friend, let them know, let Hornet Nation, we are out there as our numbers continue to grow. But that's the only way it's going to grow, really, is word of mouth. All of you guys out there letting everybody know that we uh, do this on a week-to-week basis during the football season. Today on the podcast, we look back at a big night at Hornet Stadium. Didn't go the way of the Hornets, but the national audience got a chance to see the then third-ranked Hornets take on number two Montana State. We'll recap that. We'll look ahead to this week's homecoming matchup against Idaho State. Suddenly a very big game for Sacramento State. And we have a conversation with senior defensive lineman Tyler Hardiman. That's all coming up on our podcast. But let's start out with a look back at last Saturday's thriller. Number two, Montana State. Number three, Sacramento State. We anticipated, we told you last week, this was going to be a really tough game. It was going to take a lot for the Sacramento State Hornets to win. But... We thought they could win if they did a lot of things well. And I think for part of the game, they did that. But you've got to do it for four quarters, consistency, limit mistakes. And I think in the end, the mistakes that the Hornets made proved to be too much and set the Bobcats up too many times. And a really talented team on all phases ended up with the win 42-30 to over Sacramento State. But let's look back at some of the highlights and some of the ways to tell the story how we got there. First off, in a first quarter that was kind of flying by, limited possessions. The Bobcats moved the ball pretty well in their opening possession, but missed an opening field goal. So the Hornets, on their second possession, went down the field and were in scoring range late first quarter and went into the bag of tricks. Third down and eight. Hornets now in field goal range, but they want to try to punch it in the end zone. They'll send Elijah Tau Tolliver in motion. He scoots back. Now it's an option play, fake, end around. It's going to be to Scudero. Scudero to the outside, cuts inside, to the 10, to the 5, touchdown on his first touch as a Hornet. How about the dial-up there by Bobby Frescus? Ivan Garza, the left tackle, didn't even block anyone. That's how good the play worked on the double reverse because the left tackle is out there. And there's so many blockers and no defenders out there that number 52 of the Hornets never touched anybody, and it still ends up being a touchdown. He, he set a moving screen, though. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, the Hornets score first on just a great deceptive play. Extra point is up and good, and with 58 seconds left, the Hornets take the lead 7 to nothing. Timeout on the field. They fake the inside handoff. Fake the option. It was a reverse from the receiver. And doing the rest, getting in the end zone, is Danny Scudero. Wow. Hornets lead 7-0, 58 seconds left first quarter. So the Hornets led 7-0 there, and after one, had the one-score lead. We go early second quarter. I mentioned earlier about mistakes, how they could hurt you. Well, the first one of the game by Sacramento State was very costly. Second down and nine, Bennett looks near sideline. Dangerous pass, intercepted, and it's going to go for a touchdown. John Johnson. It was thrown on an outside shoulder throw. The Hornets turned in. Johnson gets a pick six, and now we're an extra point from being tied. Chris Miller turned one way, and the throw was the other way. Straight to the defender, pick six, easy pick six. And Caden Bennett, get a look at him coming off the field, disgusted. Take a look again, Miller... Broke to the inside. The pass went to the outside. So I just a mix-up on the route. It was an out. 
or an in, depending on who was right on that play. So after that interception return for a score, we are tied at seven. The Bobcats would add a Chambers touchdown pass. Normally a runner, but he threw a touchdown pass to put Montana State up 14-7 to at the half. In between time, we saw the Hornets have a missed field goal. The Bobcats had one earlier that I mentioned, but also two attempts late in the first half. They missed those. So at the break, it was number two, Montana, 14, number seven, or number three, Sacramento State, seven. So let's take you to the third quarter. Down 14 to seven. Bobcats with that opening possession on the move, but the Hornets get a turnover back. New set of downs, first and 10. Malat stays in at QB. Ball advanced to the Hornet 38 yard line. Here's an end around reverse back to Chambers, who's in. This is the quarterback. He can throw it, but he's going to throw it late. Intercepted! He intercepted. It's the Hornets, and it's Dylan Janelle, his first pick of the year. He'll scoot up the near side and runs out of bounds at the 28. So Chambers could have run. He elected to throw it to Tommy Malott, the quarterback, and Dylan Janelle picked it off. Bad decision by Chambers. Great result for the Hornets getting a pick. Junell doing a fantastic job. He's a right-handed quarterback running to your left, and you don't want to do that on the reverse. And look how much green grass he has in front of him. And then he just throws a bad, terrible pass. To his quarterback. I mean, that's, yeah, you're making your quarterback have to make a play, and Janelle easily picked that off. So the I, Hornets got a turnover back. On the replay, I did see that the Hornets did have a little bit of late pressure coming. Well, we couldn't celebrate very long the Dylan Janelle interception because Sacramento State was giving mood right then. They turned it right back over in deep in their own territory, and right after that, the Bobcats punched it in. So now the Hornets are down 21-7, about 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. The next drive for the Hornets, you really felt like, "Uh uh-oh, this game could be slipping. Fulcher was back in the game but started and then didn't play much after that, so re-aggravated his injury. Ezra Maleni got injured and left the game, and we could see on a, in a walking boot on the sideline. So the Hornets, again, deep, trying different running backs, went to a familiar face, Elijah Tau Tolliver. They go back to him, and wow, the longest run of the season. Nine minutes left, third quarter. Sacramento State trailing 21-7. Tau Tolliver in is the back. He'll get the carry. He'll run up the middle with a nice run. Tau Tolliver to the 40. Spins off one. Stays on his feet. Tau Tolliver to the outside. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Elijah Tau Tolliver. 53 yards. And the Hornets within a score. Impressive acceleration through the hole, but it was the 360 spin move. As he got 10 yards downfield when he was hit, the 360 with the with the landing gear down on the left hand touched the ground, and he – beautiful. So the Hornets pull within a touchdown at 21-14, still third quarter, and then even more drama, the ensuing kickoff. Hornets will kick it away with the win. Schreiner does another low squib, scoots through, and goes all the way to the return man at the 10-yard line, and the Hornets – can't quite corral Marquis Johnson, and then they do. He fumbled the ball at the end of the play. He fumbled the ball at the end of the play. Did the Hornets get it? The Hornets all say they have it. They're running off the field saying they have it. I'm not sure the officials recognized that the Hornets had it. Well, they do and have the it. Hornets Sawyer have Merrill it. has it. Will they signal? The officials haven't done it yet. Marquis Johnson, the former Hornet, four officials are gathered. This could be our first replay of the night because I don't think any of the officials saw when the ball was recovered. Let's see what they say here. 
First down, Hornets. Now they'll review this, but right now, see, that turnover puts the ball at the 25-yard line. What a change of momentum. So feeling like a momentum change, but not enough because the Hornets would get just a field goal with great field position. So still they'll take it, 21-17 at that moment. That takes us to the fourth quarter, still a four-point game. Bobcats would score early in the fourth to extend the lead to 28-17, and needing points, the Hornets would get those points. Well, a good response by the Hornets, but it goes without saying they need to get in the end zone. Second and short. We'll call it three. Tal Tolliver with the carry. Tal Tolliver, good cut. Tal Tolliver spins, and he falls into the end zone. Touchdown, Elijah Tal Tolliver. His second of the night. This one from 10 yards out. He is running so hard that they just need to keep giving him the rock because he is just slamming in there. Danny, you're down there. Tal Tolliver is running like he's 10 guys in one. He's running like a beast, guys, just like you need him. That was a great spin move at the line, and and he stretched right in. Great call by the field judge right there. I was yelling at him, touchdown. (laughs) So it's 28-24, about 10 minutes to go. Unfortunately, the Bobcats had an answer every time. Took them a minute and 31 seconds to score. Big part of that was Julius Davis had a 49-yard run that uh, he leaped and just jumped over. Cameron Broussard, and it led to 49 yards. Two plays later, they would score. Bobcats now in control at 35-24. Hornets were then forced to a fourth and seven, and a tough call for Andy Thompson deep in their own territory. They went for it. He obviously was playing to win the game, not sure how many possessions he would have. They did not convert. Bobcats would score again, making it 42-24. The Hornets would add a late touchdown. Bennett to Gandy, go for two, miss that. And uh, ultimately, 42-30 to 30 was the final score as the number two Montana State Bobcats picked up the win over the number three Sacramento State Hornets. So the reality of the situation now for Sacramento State is a league title back-to-back-to-back to back to back has happened, but the fourth part of that equation might be darn near impossible. Nothing's completely eliminated, but with Montana State undefeated, Um, it's going to be really tough for the Hornets to win the Big Sky title. Now, that's not their only goal they're playing for. Certainly, that was a goal for the Hornets. But if you look at the standings, there's a group of teams just in conference play at 2-2. That's Northern Arizona, UC Davis, Portland State, Eastern Washington, and the Hornets. The teams at 3-1, some names you'd expect, Montana and Idaho. And there's Idaho State, the Hornets' next opponent now at 3-1. They've gotten new life with an impressive start to league play after losing all their non-league games and the top spot belongs to Montana State. Before we hear from uh, our guest this week, Tyler Hardiman, do want to spend a a few moments at least on Idaho State and tell you about how their season has gone. We mentioned three and four, but three and one in league. Tough schedule non-league. They played up twice. They competed with San Diego State, lost on the road 36-28 to open their season. Went to Utah State, had a really rough day, gave up 78 points and lost that one. And then fell to 0-3 with a home loss to Northern Iowa. Hornets know them well. They've split with them over the last couple of years uh, in their regular season home and home that they had with them. So they're 0-3 going into league play. Opened up Big Sky play with a 35-21 win over Northern Colorado. Came back into week two of the conference play. Lost to Montana, but very competitive by 8-28-20. The game that I think turned, I wouldn't say their season around, but turned a whole bunch of confidence around for the Bobcats, excuse me, for the Bengals, was their next week's performance against Eastern Washington. They were absolutely getting crushed, and they had a huge comeback, including 21-0 in the fourth quarter, 
and they rallied to beat Eastern Washington 42-41. to So that gave them a 2-1 league start. Last week, they defeated Portland State on the road by 14, 38-24. So not a lot of people had high hopes for Idaho State, projected to be near the bottom of the conference. First-year head coach Cody Hawkins. Well, he's playing a two-quarterback system. They throw the ball a ton. They get rid of it quickly and look for them to spread the field, have a lot of high-octane offense. That's at least their attempt. And I think their offensive line may be an area of question. So if the Hornets can get some pressure and force them out of their screen game and quick passing game, they'll have their chances. But if you're Idaho State, you're thinking, look, you're 3-1. and one. Um, If you could beat the Hornets, that would be a huge game. Get them to 4-1. and one. You've got Weber State, Davis, and then Idaho. Their only path to getting to the playoffs likely is winning this league. It seemed impossible early on, but... Uh, look at this. You know, just a couple of wins can turn things around. Now, on the Hornets side of things, still should feel good about five and two, but I've been saying seven wins, I think, gets you in. It has in the past, not a guarantee. Eight, I think, would, would be a lock, but, you know, nothing's a gimme in the big sky. Everything is difficult. The Hornets are going to have to earn it this week. And if they could do that and get to six and two, that will help them a lot with games after that at Montana, home for Cal Poly. And, of course, the rivalry against UC Davis, which that game could mean a ton for both teams. So Hornets really don't want to slip up anymore. They've had two losses to two very good teams. I mean, I want to credit Montana State. That's a very good team the Hornets played a week ago. The Idaho game, you almost wish the Hornets could have back, but that was on the road, and Idaho beat them. So we'll watch that. A couple other things to watch for this week. I don't know if you heard about the rule that was adapted this year, but it has been in FCS play in college football for a while that you can play four games and keep your red shirt. So what does that mean? Well, there's four games remaining for Sacramento State. The tricky part of that has been the last couple of years, the Hornets have been a playoff team and you don't know how many games you're going to get in the playoffs. Could be one. If you go all the way, it could be three or four games. But what the committee has decided to do is allow playoff games, unlimited amount of playoff games. So if the Hornets are trying to redshirt a transfer, trying to redshirt a freshman, and they haven't played them yet, they can play the remaining games of the regular season against Idaho State, against Montana, against Cal Poly, and against UC Davis. Whether that's running back help, maybe they need to do something there, maybe someone in the defensive side, who knows where they might do it. They may not do it at all, but they have the opportunity. Idaho State, every team has the opportunity. Hornets could have played a red shirt. They wanted a red shirt the first four games. It just can't be more than four games in the regular season. And then if a team makes the postseason, it's unlimited. So it really helps the teams that are going to the postseason or at least think they're going to the postseason. And uh, it can help coaches plan that way. And maybe some coaches, I don't know what Andy Thompson's plan is at all, if they're looking to add anybody uh, this late in the year and play in. Like last week, we hadn't seen Danny Scudero, who you heard in the highlight earlier. Touch the ball yet as a Hornet. That counted a touch. He played in a game. He's played in one game. He can still play in three more and keep his red shirt year. So something to look forward to or look at to see if the Hornets or Idaho State or any team along the way implements that um, down the line. All right, so let's wrap things up today. Had a really good conversation with Tyler Hardiman. He's been in this Hornet program for a couple years, has been a part of this back-to-back-to-back championship run. In fact, was at Folsom before that, so he has been doing nothing but winning. So uh hope you enjoy this. I did myself. I know that. So here's my conversation with senior defensive lineman Tyler Hardiman. 
So here we are joined by senior defensive line. Do you want to be defensive tackle, defensive? Like, what's, what's your official title, Tyler? Uh, I'd say I'm a defensive tackle, but, yeah, uh, a defensive tackle on our defense plays inside nose and defensive tackle. So, yeah, defensive lineman, defensive tackle, okay. both work, yeah. So Tyler Hardeman's with us, defensive tackle. Um, what makes, in your mind, a good defensive lineman or defensive tackle? I think the best defensive tackles are uh, consistent. Um, they they hone their craft. They really um, can perform at a high level every play, and that's uh, being able to recognize any blocks you see, um, executing the scheme, and using your individual technique to win win the block in front of you. Yeah, yeah. it reminds me too of a little bit like offensive linemen because defensive tackles or the kind of the defensive line, but maybe the edge guys get some more stats. But there's just not as many. You know, you're not getting interceptions and running them back that often, or scooping scores but yeah. like uh, it just it's a it's a position that you really have to love because you're you, there's so much responsibility but maybe not a lot of stats attached to it yeah definitely I don't think everyone sees the uh the constant double teams every play when you have uh, 600 pounds on your back <laughs> and uh, the linebackers just filling the hole and, and making the play but at the end of the day um it's just being in the uh, in the right spot so the guys around you can make plays and if that can help us win, that's that's all that matters, really. Yeah. Yeah. What is a sequence like that? I know Philly, the Eagles, like have that brotherly shove play where basically all twenty-two are in there. So if you've got a, a fourth down in inches, you're on that D line trying to, you know, get a pushback. But like in the end, probably everybody's falling on you. What's that play like <laughs> for you? Yeah, uh, I think to me it's just knowing that I'm going to try my hardest to stop that play, and whether that's one on eleven, I'm going <laughs> to. I think I'm I'm just going to try my hardest to get them stopped, um, taking out their motor, taking out their legs. I think uh, is the best way you can do it. So just try to get into their legs and yeah. stop them. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. How you got here? Obviously yeah. locally, played at Folsom, very successful, wildly successful there. When did you know that you wanted to to join the Hornets? Yeah, so uh, I was originally recruited actually by the old coaching staff um, in 2018, going into 2019. Um, we played. I played my senior year. Um, had a couple other offers. I had an offer to go to University of North Dakota, um, University of San Diego, some walk-on opportunities, um, and the Folsom staff. A lot of the coaches got hired here at Sac State, and I talked to Coach Richardson. I was like, "Do I still have I still have the offer that the old staff gave me?" He's like, "Definitely, yeah." So um, at that point, it really became clear that I wanted to be a Hornet, um, just because I was so familiar with the coaching staff. I knew what they were going to bring to the school, um, and also that I got to play in front of my friends and family that um, I'm so close with. So I think that was huge for me, um, being close to family. Um, and being able to go home, see my mom on the weekends, that's that's huge. So, yeah, I think uh, just as soon as the new staff changed, um, it just solidified it for sure. Um, and, yeah. I think you're living right. It doesn't always happen where you win state titles and come to a program that has struggled, and then you have back-to-back-to-back yeah. Big Sky titles. Uh, I know it's more fun to win, but what's that run from high school to, to this program been like? Honestly, it feels kind of like a dream. Um, you can't really, you couldn't even script it a better way, winning back-to-back state championships in high school. Freshman year, getting getting a chance to play and contribute to a Big Sky championship was awesome as the well. First one. The first one in school history, yeah. Um, that was huge. So, um, to me, it was like tough to even think about having a ever having a losing season. So, um, I think, yeah, it was just 
storybook script and uh, couldn't have couldn't have written it a better way. Yeah. Were you always um, slotted to be a defensive lineman? Because guys I've talked to have like, oh, I came in last week. We visited with Marshall Martin. He was a running back. Now he's been incredibly successful tied in. Like guys yeah. move around. Have they always kind of pegged you as, as D-line? Yeah. Um, I played a little bit of defensive end in high school, um, a little bit of linebacker when I was younger growing up. But uh, when I was recruited out of high school, it was always as a defensive tackle, defensive lineman, yeah. So on the other side, what makes a good offensive lineman? You're trying to do your part to disrupt their offense, get to the quarterback, stop a running back. What not necessarily gives you trouble, but what in your mind makes a good O lineman against you? Yeah, the linemen that I think are the best are the, definitely the ones that have the best uh, footwork. They got the best hands. Um, they have, they've really know their technique that they're using um, because we're both trying to play with the best technique possible. And if my technique versus theirs, if they're if they got a great technique, I could I, I could tell they get taking great scoops, taking great reach blocks. Um, I think the best O lineman definitely just uh, is a culmination of all those elements. Um, and you could really tell when they know what they're doing. And I feel like it's a mutual respect when you both kind of have the same level of uh, same level of technique. So yeah, I think just overall all those elements. So when a game ends, is there I mean, you've been battling with a guard, a tackle, center. I mean, a lot of those guys for yeah. 60 minutes. Is there a kind of a meet and not greet? I don't know. How's the yeah. end of a game go? Yeah, uh, it really depends on who it is. Um, <laughs> personally, I, I'm i a guy where I'm really focused on the play, mm-hmm. really focused on my assignment. So I rarely talk ever to my uh, opponent, the guard I'm going against, the center I'm going against. So um, – there have been times when it's been a little chippy and there's been some, some mouthing going off back and forth and maybe it's not the it, – it depends. Sometimes after it's a little bit of mutual respect, like it's all good, how's it going, um, or it's like that was a great battle, like congrats or go finish it out this season, kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends on who I'm going against, but I'm going to be the same every day, every time. I'm, I'm going to show my respect and uh, congratulate them or congratulate – or uh, just take – our take our win and uh, yeah. move on. Yeah, and I'm sure, just like any sport, there's probably some um, I don't know if cheap shots is the right word, but just guys kind of maybe not doing it right. Yeah. How do those games? I mean, you don't have to call anybody out, but how right. do those games go? Yeah, I think um, stuff like that's unfortunate when it happens, but um, it is part of the game. Sometimes it happens, so um, I tend to just if it happens to me i'll move on i got no hard feelings if uh if it was intentional like they're trying to like take me out i would definitely uh, look at them differently um but uh fortunately that doesn't happen too much um maybe a couple of times since i've been here <laughs> so uh you're you've graduated which is already an incredible accomplishment i still don't know how you guys do it with full-time basically football is full-time and i don't know if everybody realizes that and school now you're doing uh, graduate work how have you put that all together here at Sac State? I think uh, consistency is the main thing. Um, just knowing what it takes to perform at a high level on the field and in the classroom and just uh, applying that every day. Um, and if you if you slack off one day and you don't, if I don't do what I need to, then I'll be behind. And uh, when you're behind the classroom, you stress about it in other areas of your life, whether that's with your family, uh, like with football, you're just not – focus so if you stay on top of it all the time that's when you can perform the best I think uh, in the classroom and on the football field and have the best relationships with your friends and family so um, I think just staying consistent is the main thing Um, staying on top of it uh, definitely 
Seems like you've you've got your stuff together and figured it out. If you were starting day one today as a Hornet and could uh-huh. tell your, you know, yourself back, you know, like I'm just yeah. starting my journey. What what, you know, I guess you've you've learned a lot of things here. What would you tell yeah. yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think the first thing I'd say is uh, don't take a day off in the treatment room. Always uh-huh. always uh, make sure you're staying on top of your uh, rehab, um, the maintenance work, the little stuff, and. Um, never lose sight of the details. The details really are. Um, people talk about the like devils in the details. You always got to focus on the details. But it really is mm-hmm. holds true, and that's in everything, um, especially playing D line. Like all the details inside your technique and scheme. It's just yeah, yeah definitely. I focus on the details. I know you had an impressive starting streak that ended unfortunately to start week one this year, which yeah. something you. I mean, you just couldn't. Do I mean you guys are getting hit all the time, and then sometimes it's, it can happen at practice when you get injured. Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of like what I just said in yeah. consistency when mm-hmm. it comes down to starting a certain amount of games in a row. Um, I was kind of proud of that just because it kind of goes along with everything I do. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I uh, missed week one, so mm-hmm. I started the streak over, but it's all right. Um, finish this season out, hopefully, by uh, starting the rest of the games. Yeah. <laughs> When uh, the season does come to an end, hopefully yeah. a long way from now for you guys, what's uh, what's next for you? Yeah, um, hopefully uh, finish up grad school, um, get my MBA, and then... Uh, how much more are there? It depends on how many classes I take each semester, but it could be about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, finish up grad school, hopefully uh, start working too. Um, Want to do something in finance or, or sales potentially. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Looking for what next on my uh, next hori- next horizon. Yeah. As far as football, your football memories here. What you know, five years, ten years, fifteen years. What stories are you going to tell? What are you? What are your memories going to be from your Hornet time? Your yeah. time as a Hornet. It's going to be it's going to be hard not to overlook uh, to overlook the seasons in each individual game um, by looking at the rings and that kind of stuff. But, um, like, there's been numerous games where it's like, oh, that game, that game, I'll remember that for a long time. Um, It's always the close games. It's never – the blowouts are really fun, but I think the games where we showed most grit on the field, like those ones you feel the most Mm -hmm. um, passionate about. Um, A couple that come to mind were uh, Montana and Idaho last year. Stanford this year every Causeway game is always exciting and fun um, when you got both cities around you um, so yeah um, I think those are a couple that really stand out but at the end of the day those rings really um, shine brightest and uh, culminate all that hard work and uh, the seasons as a whole what's cool for me is seeing, being doing this for so long is seeing how many Hornets come back mm-hmm. and then just the stuff they talk about and who they're still friends with. Oh, I played with him in this year. Like, yeah. who do you envision or some of the people that you think, I'm going to have lifetime relationships with these guys? Yeah, definitely. It's kind of weird to think sometimes that our coaches have, like, selected our best friends because mm-hmm. we spend the most time with them out of anybody. Um, but definitely uh, my roommate now, Brandon Knott, mm-hmm. um, who's on the defensive line with me, uh, we spend a lot of time together. Uh, uh, there's been numerous guys that – I've developed relationships with that I think will last a long time. Um, all of the D linemen were extremely close. Um, got Mason Brousseau, Jet Stanley, all these guys, everybody. I've just, um, I tend to make myself, I, I, t- I tend to make myself, my uh, make my way around the locker room in all position groups. So I feel like I'm pretty close with everybody. And um, 
I, I'm just excited to see where everybody ends up in life and uh, the path everyone goes. So I think we got a lot of good guys on the team. I think about when you guys run out of the tunnel here or the inflatable thing. It's got to be pretty cool. Uh, helmet, cool moment. Yeah. Games at Stanford, the Causeway you mentioned. What's some of the places that you in Montana right. that you've enjoyed uh, you know, really playing? Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about that while we were running out in this last game and the smoke's coming and everyone's cheering, the stands are packed. I just take take a second sometimes to like take it all in mm-hmm. and appreciate um, where I am right now just because go so fast you tend to lose uh, sight of what you're doing so um, yeah playing at home is amazing Um, those games where you run out in your boot by 20,000 people that's cool too (laughs) Um, I think sometimes a team uh, runs on a little bit of that energy Uh, so playing at Montana is a fun fun venue Um, Stanford was a fun venue just because uh, playing at a Pac-12 school not not many times we get to play in uh, such a cool environment um, so, yeah, I think I'll always remember those. Um, but playing at home definitely does it. Yeah. How about, I mean, ESPN, last two years? That's kind of cool too, right? Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, with the, the outcome of this game, but uh, last year's Montana game on ESPN, that one that one felt good. And then everyone storming the field and then uh, seeing my family on the field, oh, that's, yeah. that's always a cool thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, playing on a – Playing on the big stage is whatever kid grows up wanted to do. Um, playing on ESPN, like who doesn't want to do that? Um, so yeah, I've been extremely fortunate to be able to do that as well. <laughs> well, you guys have won back to back to back conference titles. It's going to be tougher now based on the circumstances, but that doesn't mean that bigger goal yeah. still can't happen. What's your outlook for the for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think we uh, we need to improve each week going in. Um, this is at the point where could either regress or pro- progress make progress on the season um and as soon as the season's over and the playoffs start we're zero and zero everyone's doesn't matter where you finish it's a it's an open shot at winning that national champion championship so um i think we just need to get better each week and uh learn from the previous week and moving forward and hopefully uh get to that goal where we want to be at the end of the season all right lastly quick thought on the Bengals. idaho state's kind yeah. of turn it around here in league play they've got three wins so they're doing some things better what do you see with the with the Bengals yeah they got a great offense they uh, throw the ball a lot they move the ball over, all over around the field they got two guys that come in at quarterback um, they uh, they like to spread out their splits on the O-line uh, make some room um, I think they got a great squad I think um, a lot of people uh, probably overlooked the Bengals this year um, but I think they are coming for it and I think yeah. they're building something uh, pretty good over there so I think we as a team um, need to, to def- I think there's no one that isn't locked in but I think everyone is ready to ready for that challenge and everyone knows how strong of a squad they are um, so that's that's important for sure Well Tyler it's been uh, great catching up with you wish you the best of luck the rest of the season certainly in your future and uh and go Hornets. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. Appreciate it. All right, my thanks to Tyler Hardiman. My thanks to all of you. Uh, hopefully we see you out there Saturday night for the Hornets and Idaho State and homecoming. Let's uh, fill up Hornets Stadium. Crowds have been great this year. Let's keep that going and keep, uh, you know, pardon the pun, but let's keep the uh, buzz going for Sacramento State and Hornet football. All right, we're back next week. We'll recap Idaho State. We'll look ahead to the big matchup with Montana, all that and more. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast.